Everybody. Hi. Hi, Hi Nathan. <laughs> Welcome to Reckless Attack, a fifth edition of uh, a fifth magician. Yeah, <laughs> a, fi- a fifth magician. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, I just assume at this point that anyone who's listened to this many episodes can just like close their eyes and just <laughs> imagine the onslaught of we're a fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons actual play podcast. And then it just is like auto fills where like you can switch letters around in words and your brains will just like skim over it and it'll be fine. You Boom. still know what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Like, you guys get it. We're Reckless Attack. We're a <laughs> podcast. I'm <Woo>! Nathan. Yeah. <laughs> and as long as it's cheering at the end, it doesn't matter. I'm Nathan. I'm your dungeon master here playing Dungeons and Dragons. And I am joined by my lovely players, as always, to my left. Hi, it's me, Sophie. That was loud. <laughs> <laughs> Enthusiasm. <laughs> I play Valeska Carter, the human asterisk cleric of the Arcana Domain. And she still has so many to-dos. She's looking to get them done. (laughs) Check, 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 check. (laughs) Hi, everyone. It's Jonathan here, and I play Checkers, the Grung Druid. And each of us at the table has had a delicious chocolate chip muffin today, which I think really contributes to the insanity that has happened before the session. Fucking hyped up on sugar. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. There's been a lot of sugar and just a lot of energy at the table today, so... It's going to be good. <laughs> Thank you, Stephanie. Yeah. Thanks, Stephanie. Yeah. Very, very delicious muffins. Thank you. Hi, everyone. I'm David, and I play Kaskrin Brightmane, the Dwarven Warlock. And related to that, I, David, am full of French fries. <laughs> yes, and there was French fries thrown yeah. around. It was a complex evening. Yeah. It's been, been a heavy food evening. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hello. My name is Steve, and I am playing Sylvesterlin of the Bing Juicy Monastery. And uh, there's some stuff we got to deal with going on in uh, ye old Red City. I think we've all agreed that our next mission is to the library. The library. The library. It's a research episode. We are in the Red City of Agmar. The Gothmoth arrival into the city has thrown you all for a little bit of a loop in that like, hey, it's magical. This is a magical city. What's this horrible creature doing in here? And why is it trying to attack people? And why can only some people see it? And why can some of those people who can see it do damage to it? And some people can only sort of do damage to it. It's complex. Luckily, you all and a tree man have been set on the case. You met <laughs> Alareth. He has, on behalf of his wealthy patron, hired you all to help investigate, as well as interview you about your own experiences with the fear deer and goth moth, whether they be the same or different creatures. He essentially said, do whatever you're going to do during the day. I'm probably going to interview someone who was attacked if they're conscious. But otherwise, we'll meet later in the evening. What would everyone like to do here on your first full day in the Red City of Agmar? I believe last time uh, Mm -hmm. we left off with Selv heading towards the map room. Yes. And going to do a little bit of research on aberrations and specifically anything that would match a description of what we have encountered. When he was down there, he saw that Val had already begun said said research, (laughs) which is great uh, (laughs) because, you know, uh, Selv is wise and kind of smart, but 
he also likes to build upon what others have done. Yes, exactly. And so there's a lot of wisdom in that, I yes, would say. Yes, there was. He's basically going to sit down at the at the desk of doing and review whatever notes Val has on aberrations that she has found so far, and then he will attempt to move forward with that. Okay. I will say that you don't find notes on aberrations at first you, on this huge stack of papers. You find a complex diagram and <laughs> number system to denote her new organization system she has yet to implement for the books of the map room. So under that are her okay. notes on aberrations. But right. she went down a tangent late in the night yeah. when researching aberrations. So, so okay. So I will temporarily put to the side the uh, Val decimal system. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, we'll start with the aberrations portion. I don't know if we actually covered this or not, but uh, what is Val's handwriting like? Is it Ooh. actually legible Ooh. and neat, That's or an is it question. is it kind of like a a weird doctor scrawl or a shorthand where it's like oh yeah that too Ooh, yeah you know it, encoded it's almost yeah it's practically coded. I feel like with a number of languages Val speaks is she maybe making her own she might switch between them. I would imagine she does occasionally switch between languages because there might be a word in another language yeah. that better describes yeah. what she is trying True. to. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's definitely most of it is in Pentarchy standard because Rockman doesn't have a separate language besides that, right? Uh, I think it actually is not Pentarchy standard as their standard language, but you would know it as trade relations and stuff because you weren't like a part of the pentarchy basically it, so it'd be probably be sismari which is yes. common yeah equivalent yeah exactly she would write in sismari because that would be her native language but there would definitely be other words that are not mm, sismari mm-hmm. like if she's researching something arcane it would be in the language of magic because she knows that so she wouldn't translate it in her notes yeah totally and i know that we had said that originally they were going to pretty much go straight to the medical center to try and see if this person was awake yeah i'll retcon that slightly so that you guys are both in the flow of the game researching at the same time that way you're rolling at the same time i'm not giving bits and bits and bobbles here and there so steve were you looking at anything in particular or were you just being like Let's dive in and see what we can find. Or how are you dividing up your work? I would imagine that Selv would essentially be the runner for Val. (laughs) So uh, like he would start off by going through and starting at one part of the library and going through and finding anything that he can that related to aberrations of any kind Mm -hmm. and kind of pull that stuff and bring it to the desk for Val so that she can kind of start going through and seeing if any of that is relevant or not. And then take whatever notes she needs, and then those books get put to another side where <laughs> Selv then comes back around, grabs those, and reshelves where they were. Oh, that. Lovely. Selv, also, the map room is has tall ceilings, and I have not been able to reach the books on the top three shelves <laughs> yes. this whole time. <laughs> please, please help. Yeah. There's no, there is no magical yeah. step. I don't know where the ladder went. Berger was asleep, and I didn't <laughs> yeah. want to wake yeah. her. Tall person, it's probably It's probably somewhere in the desk. Yeah. There's probably a button that, that yeah. a, letter, a letter comes out, but we haven't found it yet. Yeah. Yes. So, Sophie, mm-hmm. does that sound okay that at least your first starting pass for research, in addition to what you've already done, would just be going through map room stuff to kind of give you a baseline of, okay, we might know what direction to go. And then if we need more, we have the big, the big library, the city mm-hmm. library. 
Yeah. And as Selva is going through, he's also keeping an eye out for anything revolving around the history of Agmar or interesting locations in Agmar. So that he could he could put that aside to look up later for the dragon skull and kind of figure out what that's all about. Yes. So that that is backseat to what we're doing right now. But it is if he sees a book, he's going to pull it and and put that mm -hmm. to the side in your own pile. Yes. <laughs> yes. A, a much smaller pile. <laughs> Sophie, what's the experience that Selv goes through as being essentially a, a sort of research assistant mm -hmm. to a member of the illustrious Atheum? What is Val like in this moment where she has her goal? She has someone helping her. She has her magical, perfect desk. What's that look like? Well, it looks like her being very meticulous about she will like instruct self where to put the pile and like we'll agree on a system where like these are the mm -hmm. this is where you put the books. I still have to research <laughs> these are the ones I'm gonna have you take away. I'm gonna have a third pile of like come back to with bookmarks in there and like a place for her notes. And she's brought both of us tea. You got to the map room first, but she comes in with like two cups of tea. And so we can have our tea while we agree on it, but then there's no liquids at the desk. It's spellproof. It's it's spillproof. It's spillproof, but like the illustrious Atheum did not have that, so she's not used to that luxury. Right. It's, it's you gotta ease and you gotta dip a toe into that, that yeah. world. Is there a spot on the desk where you would put a drink, like like a warming spot and a cooling spot? So warm drinks go here and they stay warm. <laughs> Drink, uh, cool drinks go there. And well, they stay cool. we won't get into what this specific one has at this point. We'll we'll figure that off air. We'll have something ready to go to in an episode or two. Oh, that's a feature. But that is on the list. Ah, is okay. there is essentially a fantasy coffee machine or <laughs> or caffeine? dispenser as well as a water dispenser option so is this calm or is it more hectic Ooh, like is question. it like more of a frantic research effort or at least like energetic yeah. Yeah, energetic and like intense yeah i would say it's calm but intensely focused okay because mm -hmm. it I, is it is purposeful boy yes. especially with self and val yeah. in a room mm -hmm. being both focused that's a yeah an intense yeah. <laughs> place to walk mm -hmm. into. Because I feel like there would be a point this morning where Kaskrin would want to check the map. <laughs> so he walks in and it's like, Vleska, are you guys in here? And then he like sees the, the energy, just like the yeah. focus. It's like, oh, I'll, uh, I'll come back later. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've painted that picture, which I am deeply in love with, before I have you guys roll, I'm interested, Jonathan and David, now that you have done your mail errands, mm -hmm. you have investigated the treasure vault, all that good stuff. What are you up to? After the post office, Checkers takes the opportunity to start exploring around the city. Mm -hmm. And he does that in the form of really just jumping along the rooftops, going between some of the major landmarks. So the dragon skull, the walls of the ruby citadel, he kind of ends up close to the, the waveless lake to the southeast. And all of this is really just to try and get a sense of what the city is like, what the energy is, and maybe try to uncover some of the, the hidden paths or some of the, the, you know, the, the roads mm. less traveled that others might not be aware of. Part of this is to... Um, so Checkers has the urchin background. Yes. And one of the abilities of that is that he knows the secret patterns and the flows of cities that others might miss. Um, and he is able to sort of traverse the city and bring allies along and move basically twice as fast as a, as a normal person would, someone who didn't understand the city quite as well. So he's taking his first full day in Agmar to really just get that sense and understand how the city works. 
are you interacting with people? And again, not necessarily in a let's role play it out, yeah. but or are you is is Checkers just kind of watching? For right now, he's keeping a very high level view of this. So he's just sort of going between places and maybe even just closing his eyes and taking the sounds and the smells in for right now. He wouldn't be getting in in too much detail or talking to any specific person because he's got a lot of ground to cover. Yes. He wants to make sure that at the very least, he's not going to get lost in the future. Mm -hmm. He'll know that, okay, if I'm to the southeast of this, I can just go here. Maybe not intelligently understand that, but just instinctually understand where he is in the city and how to get from place to place. Great. So, if I may, yeah. you're playing Assassin's Creed and going to yes. Eagle's <laughs> yes, Exactly, exactly. I'm uncovering the fog of war and leaping off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, and, and that, he comes that back. That Photoshop picture is so yeah. good. Yes. Yes. It was good. It and was he good. comes back as the head of the Thieves Guild. Right. Yes. <laughs> Guys, I, I have to leave. I'm yeah. sorry. Guys, look, I found this new <laughs> stabby yeah, right. wristband. <laughs> what? Flip, flip. It got off my finger, but I think it's kind of cool. <laughs> um, and then all that to say is closer towards maybe the, the mid or almost close to evening, he would return to the guild hall. He hasn't really set up yet. You know, he, his, his assigned room is more or less empty. You know, he went up to the roof to kind of explore there, but where he ends up going is actually the large water feature in the back mm-hmm. uh, behind the guild hall where there's the, the fruit trees, there's the hot spring, there's the mushroom cave. And he would just sort of end up kind of after a long day of exploring in one of the fruit trees there and just take a minute, lay down and see mango just kind of like roll into the hot spring and just stay there for like (laughs) a good 20 minutes. And then something about it is just very soothing and calming to checkers. So he kind of lays down and just takes a nap in a fruit tree for the afternoon and just feels content. Like actually this is where I want to be right now. This reminds me of something it reminds me of home, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's really where he spends the rest of the afternoon, just basking in the sun, in the, the warm breeze, and just really enjoying enjoying what the Guild Hall has to offer. Lovely. I have a question. Mm-hmm. What is your passive perception? It is a 15. And the skill is a plus 5. Excellent. What I had in my mind was, for every 5 points that uh-huh. you had... yeah. I would tell you a landmark that was not obvious okay. on the map cool. as you're kind of looking around. The whole city, and you would all, of course, know this as you're kind of going about your day, but you especially, checkers, mm-hmm. would kind of get a real sense of where they all are, mm-hmm. the look of them, that sort of thing. A series of bell towers throughout the city that seem to, every hour, chime the time and every half hour chime it but in the half hour sense (laughs) (laughs) but they are spread all over the city and as you're paying attention you never see anyone ringing bells oh there's not even a rope attached to these bells uh, that would be clanging them you don't know what the mechanism is i'm sure you will likely want to check that out Mm -hmm. but at least in this point you see that there are all over the city are these bells ringing and bell towers are there any areas in the city where there are large concentrations of guards? Mm. Anything like, you know, I, they're barracks for one, but anything that is like, obviously, that's not a barracks, but why are there so many people trying to protect it? As you're going around, certainly, A, the Ruby Citadel mm-hmm. seems to be a place where there are the, some of the highest percentage of guards sure. in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, you would probably have known that that is where 
obviously a lot of things are, including some barracks, mm-hmm. but also where a lot of the city's gold stores mm-hmm. are, mm-hmm. Uh, like the gold that you all got for coming here, essentially. Yeah. That is where that is housed. So there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. There's also quite a few, of course, at the Money Changer House, where people can exchange foreign currencies who may or may not be coming through. There's a little bit there. And then there is one other building as you are going through on the Uptown District, which you know is the kind of the mansion where like clearly the nobles of Agmar mm-hmm. must have been. They are not town guards, but they are conspicuous to you as guards, mm. if that makes sense, who all appear to be not just in front of this one particular manor house, but also kind of spread out from that manor house where you kind of realize as you're hopping around, no pun intended, but also literally. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that there is one place that are like, huh, there's like a lot of armed guards people mm-hmm. around here. And someone has like private security here in this city. Mm-hmm. And it seems to be pretty expansive. Mm-hmm. Okay. The final thing that I will be sure to say mm-hmm. is that as you go over to the Waveless Lake, you check out the docks. They are bustling. There are some small boats that are going out into the lake. You can see they're probably by this point in day already out there. And unbelievably, the water is glassy still. Wow. Even we'll say that there is a boat mm-hmm. going through mm-hmm. and it does not disturb the water at all. Huh. I, Sophie, had a little bit of a brain break. Yeah. Trying to imagine yeah. That. yeah. yeah. Wow. No, same. It's like an illusion where it just yeah. disappears. Uh-huh. Essentially, yeah. It is a perfectly, seemingly, normally functioning lake, except unnaturally undisturbed. So my question is, is this like the giant pool in Rachma where it was like perfectly clear and you could see through it? No. Okay. That's the other thing is that, it, again, it is just this normal... It is murky and it uh-huh. is dark okay. and very hard to see through uh-huh. and therefore like a normal lake that you would yeah. expect to be here. Again, there's all this, uh, there's rivers coming through here. So it's very murky. Hmm. It's very busy, but like there's just nothing, no reaction at the top of this place. Like murky brown or that darker blue? I would say it's Like more- Mississippi brown yeah. or like Lake Michigan Ooh. It's very deep type of thing. Yeah. I would say it's a little on the browner side. Okay. That's not to say who knows how how deep it is. Mm-hmm. But again, the way Agmar is situated, there are two major rivers coming into this body of water. Mm-hmm. So there's like a lot of runoff from mountains and that kind of thing that gets deposited here. So it's pretty dark and murky. But you also notice mm-hmm. in the middle of this pretty sizable lake Mm -hmm. there is one solitary island that sits um, again in in this very strange almost surreal picture of a non-moving lake Mm -hmm. is just one single solitary island that you can't really tell because it's pretty far off does not seem to have any activity on it Hmm. and now A word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by A Foul Light Shines, a new free serial novel based on a D&D campaign. 
The Empire of Fire and Water has known 20 golden years of peace since the end of Agenion's War, a peace which is now in peril. When a ragtag group of friends intervene in a grotesque monster attack, they're too late to save a wounded man who leaves them with an encrypted journal and the words, Trust no one, Tyre. Can the gang find Tyre, escape the claws of more strange monsters, and uncover the lurking threat to the Empire before it's too late? This story features themes of found family and strength and diversity, and is available for free on Campfire and Royal Road. A foul light shines. Come for the fantasy. Stay for the cheese-obsessed goblin gunslinger. Hi, it's me, Sophie. Do you want more Reckless Attack? Then join our Discord and chat with us in our community. The link for the Discord is in the show notes, or head on over to our website, recklessattack.com. We also have a Patreon. You can listen to our new show, Reckless Snack, and other content if you become a patron. We really appreciate your support, and thank you for listening to the episode. As you come back to kind of have your afternoon nap, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> afternoon siesta, yeah. what have you. Oh, also, was the full frog stack traveling with you? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the whole time, Checkers would be riding on top of Mango, and Mango would be doing a lot of the jumping around. But then Checkers would hop off and go explore a few different places and come back. And, you know, he would send Junior to a different location and sort of see through his eyes for a hot minute and then, you know, call everyone back and continue on. So, a lot of juggling of frogs. What languages do you speak? Checkers speaks passable Pentarchy standard. Yes. <laughs> and he speaks Grung. Is that it? Those are the languages that he speaks. Mm-hmm. He is also capable of reading certain symbols that some people leave in cities. Got it. He can't really create them that well, but you know, every so often you see like kind of graffiti signs or symbols that are cut into wood that mark safe locations or places where people hide things or things like that. Well, then in that case, mm-hmm. as you are settling down in this garden, something, and, and we'll say it's after you've had this nice bask mm-hmm. and it's getting to be dark and you're feeling nice and relaxed and really content in the space, mm-hmm. feeling safe, mm-hmm. seeing mango just yeah. like <laughs> essentially turn into a frog puddle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you see hidden in the roots of a tree that is out there, a nice, beautiful tree. Maybe you were napping in or Mm -hmm. under. Yeah. A small notebook Hmm. that is hidden. It seems to be bound. It does not appear to be overly stained or anything like that, but you see it is tucked away underneath the tree. Hmm, That's weird. I wonder who left their notebook out here. Maybe it's Val's. I better bring it back to her. And he would go and pick it up and stow it away for later when he meets up with the rest of the group. Okay. Do you look through it at all? Unless there's anything obviously interesting on the cover, he would just assume it's like a um like an old notebook someone left. Hmm. Well, you can decide if this is okay. interesting. Sure. On the outside, there are just a bunch of doodles. Hmm. Um, but specifically it seems like a lot of stylized versions of the mushrooms that you are sitting amongst. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think what would happen then is after Checkers wakes up, and you know, this is late evening at this point. He's waiting for everyone else to get back. He would go back up and see that you know Mango and Junior are fast asleep inside the hot springs, <laughs> mm-hmm. and he's really just taking his time and just watching the sun kind of slowly go down on the horizon. He would start slowly flipping through this interesting notebook that he found embedded in this tree that he's sitting in, essentially, and just not really be paying too much attention to it, but just like you know, kind of killing time a little bit. Quick aside, mm-hmm. I like to imagine that Junior has taken a mushroom, flipped it upside down so it's like a cup. Oh, yeah. And like filled a little bit of it with the hot springs water. So he's just like floating in the hot springs, yeah, like God. his Fully arms on, si- on either side of the mushroom rim. Just like, hell yeah. 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 So uh, fan art. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan again, can yeah. decide if that's canon or not, but that's uh, yes. how I like to imagine Junior uh, right now. A hundred percent that is canon. Absolutely. Uh, so scattered in among not just mushrooms and nature that you would recognize here, interspersed with those sketches is a lot of writing hmm. in a language that I do not believe you understand. Fair. In that you, <laughs> yeah. you understand two languages. Yeah, right. Two and a half languages. <laughs> he One and a half languages. <laughs> languages. He, yes. Reading is hard. Writing is more or less impossible. <laughs> <laughs> So these are definitely words. Yeah, yep. yes. I, I think, you recognize I them think? as words. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'll have to ask Val about this when she gets back. Mm-hmm. Junior, Mango, get ready. We got things to do tonight. I have one other question for Checkers. Mm-hmm. Did you stop at any food carts? Did you grab uh, a snack while you were out? We never got a chance to stop at the kebab shops for lunch. Oh, that's true. So as he's traversing the city. He would take the opportunity to go visit the sort of central area where all the food carts were and uh, procure (laughs) (laughs) some nice, delicious kebabs and other meats. Uh, I will ask no clarifying questions (laughs) about the word you said. Uh I will say if you purchase them, Uh you can erase that from your character sheet that, you know, couple silver pieces or gold or whatever. Uh Or... You can not do that. <laughs> yeah. And that's up to you. Well, Jagger doesn't carry money around, so he... He, he procures. I feel like, I feel like Val, Val would make sure there's like a gold piece tucked somewhere. So Junior would have it. Like, yeah. 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 He has the one point. Yeah. That's where the, um, the stone pocket right. that he uses, Val just yeah. tucks a gold in there yeah. and tells, it's tells money. Junior. Yeah. 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 For, I don't know, whatever you're going to do today, man. Yeah. Right, yeah, exactly. You'll need that coin for but, something. Must yeah. fair. Yeah. <laughs> So he has three gold pieces because there would be three stones, right? Yes. <laughs> in his little pouches yeah, in the hat. Yeah, in his hat. <laughs> David, what is Casker up, up to today? Other yeah. than busting fucking checkers for fucking theft. <laughs> <laughs> I see you just got like kebab, like little, little bits around your mouth. And it's like, checkers, you don't have any money. <laughs> I'm, I'm imagining uh, in, an, in an alternate version of Kaskrin would go up to the town guard to be like, look. I have a certain set of skills, and that set of skills 
is following checkers yeah. around all day, <laughs> yeah. stopping him from doing crimes. <laughs> Pay me yeah. to stop him, right. <laughs> and like believe me, yeah, right. you'll be thankful I, you did. I also imagine like checkers comes home, Cass grabs him and like grabs his hat and goes one, two, three. There's still three gold coins in here. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's six gold coins in here. <laughs> oh, no. What? Checkers just has a handful of like things yeah. you obviously should have bought, but there's still three gold coins. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, David. Yeah. <laughs> Kaskrin, what's his whole deal today? <laughs> so there's two main things that Kaskrin wants to do today. After he leaves the post office and, and has sent some mail, mm-hmm. he would actually pop by the Church of the Twelve. Ooh, yes. First visitor of the party, in fact. So he wants to go in, and this is very much like when you enter a new town in a video game, you go to the church to save like yes. your, your home location. Totally. This is him like going to the church and really just soaking in the awe and paying homage to to all the gods here and is like accepting that he's going to be in Agmar for a while. Mm -hmm. Is there a particular god that he is looking to right now? And also, he's just there to absorb atmosphere, it sounds like, as opposed to like take part in a service or talk to someone or anything like that. He's more just to take it all in and check it out and get a feel for it. Is yeah. that accurate? If he finds a statue or even like a plaque of his patron Esfide, he will go and pay homage to that, to that specifically. Mm-hmm. How this church is set up, it is a, it's massive. It's very big. It is probably, actually, it's, it's not probably the biggest church you've ever seen. Maybe it might even strike you as kind of surprisingly like Agmar is this over the top city, right? Where like everything is huge. Everything is spectacular. It was magically architecturally designed to be impressive and intimidating. And this church is like kind of pedestrian. But the long and short of it is it is still a beautiful church and all spread evenly across this whole building. This main entryway are individual little shrines essentially or vestibules for each of the gods so you can approach one of the 12 that kind of the patron god and then beneath there would be a few saints certainly some local saints you know maybe some pictures some symbols what have you and then piles of offerings of coins of things that people would leave to kind of hopefully earn favor say thank you whatever to their gods you would know that this is a pretty standard setup for a big city like this is that there's a lot of people, there's a lot of gods and a lot of saints. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's very uni- uh, unitarian, I guess, in a way. So you're free to approach and engage each of these little vestibules and shrines however you want. Okay. So specifically then, and let me know if I understand this right. Mm-hmm. He would go up to the shrine dedicated to light. Mm-hmm. As his patron, Esfide, is kind of a, a subset of the god of light. Yeah. And so he pays specific homage to to this one. It's kind of like, a, like I don't want to say a museum, but he's like looking around, you know, checking out it, all the different shrines. Hundred, like it is very, in my mind, is very, I mean, I spent, I went, I studied abroad in Rome. And so therefore my brain is yeah. like, this is a Roman cathedral. Yeah. Like that's a, a hundred percent what to picture. There's cool sculptures and art and all over the place, exactly the vibe. And then the last thing he does before he leaves is there's a lot of statues, but there's also some giant 
plaques that are almost like floor to ceiling in this church. And one of these contains the creation story of the gods. Yes. Like from top to bottom, it is written in massive script detailing the birth of the two and how they turn from two into the the gods that we have today. Mm -hmm. And so he takes some time to read that before leaving. Is there anything that draws Kaskarin to that story or that tale? Um, so not to just keep name dropping stuff. <laughs> no, it's, but, it's awesome. Yeah, I love it. But there is a line in the creation story that catches his eye. You know, it's this giant script on the wall. And it says, this complexity is neither good nor bad, nor all black or all white. Some complexities may be pleasant or unpleasant or lead to harmful ends when denied or over pursued. Mm -hmm. And this reminds him of some of the last words he heard from his friend and rival, uh, whose name is Sand, mm -hmm. before they parted ways. There was a discussion about how you know not everything is as it seems, not everything is one or the other. There are many shades, many multitudes in between. So that caught his eye and it got him reading the rest of the creation story before he leaves. Excellent. I love that. Love that. And then the last thing he does is he would talk to Berga and probably spend the rest of the day reading dossiers. Ooh, okay. Because he, he wants to get informed before we go out tonight. Okay. And specifically, were you looking for dossiers of anyone in the city, of anyone in the guild, or what's kind of your line of inquiry? Just to start with some of the major players. He would for sure look up Namgar. He would look up maybe some of the leaders and rulers of the government, perhaps Vina Calveta, mm -hmm. the commander of the Red Guard, just to start learning names and putting faces to them. Okay, perfect. Did you want to ask her for the full dossiers of the former guild members as uh, well? Yes. During that time, he would also request more information about the other guild members. Got it. And does he request the ones on us? Ooh. Ooh. Checkers is like secret, like double, like taped around, <laughs> yeah. black, confidential, yeah. like do not open. Redacted. Yeah. Highly redacted. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, Checkers. Yeah. End. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, we've been, we've trained together for months. So he knows, he knows. He knows what he, he needs he is, to. Yeah. He knows okay. he's comfortable. He doesn't need to know that. But, okay. Yeah. Great. He'll chat more with Berger later, but that's what he would do. Okay. Oh, good. At least he doesn't find out that Selv is secretly the great golden worm, Galfagrogal. <laughs> and, and, and so what I'll say is that the golden tree records on the city are not as robust as you would kind of hope, almost to a surprising degree. But there is some to work off of if there is someone who you're like, this seems like someone may be the golden tree would at least have a name for or a title for or basic information. Say something. Okay. And I, you, it'll cover, it'll cover some people cool. is my point. So the researchers, you have been hard at work as your two guild members have been out and about doing reconnaissance, stealing kebabs, <laughs> reflecting reconnaissance kebabs, yeah. <laughs> frog puddles, yeah. etc. I would like, what, what? I would like a dice roll, is, my, mm. is what I'm getting to. Unless we decide otherwise, I was thinking Selv would be aiding Val, okay. and so she would make the main die roll for mm -hmm. this. That seems highly reasonable. Um, if it helps, Selv is also trained in investigation for this, and then I think uh, you have some spells. <laughs> yes, uh, 
I am assuming doing this research would entail an investigation role. I would say investigation is good and certainly great for aiding. 100%. That's perfect. Uh, Arcana would work for an aberration, those sorts of things. And Val has the sage background. Mm -hmm. My feature is researcher. Yes. Yep. (laughs) Um, I don't know why you took that. It's never going to come up. Yeah. Yeah. I really, you know, know, Sophie, I'd really like you to lean into the researcher part of Val. Finally, please. Thank you. (laughs) Joke, Steve. But I I, I literally picked this for flavor because I was like, when did we ever do research in the last campaign? Like, Never. Yeah. Well, that's because last campaign magic was all new. And so like there was nothing to research. Right. And right. I was like, we, I want to help. We them, were, but we I were actively researching while adventuring. Right. Yeah. 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 Killing things was research. Yeah. Uh, but good news. Big ass library. Mm-hmm. You got it. You, yeah. You'll you have your chances. Mm-hmm. But more to the point of that, it's like I when I attempt to learn or recall a piece of lore, if I don't know that information, I basically can then figure out where it is. Yes, exactly. So. Val kind of anticipates her map room library not being very robust in this topic, but is trying to find the thread to pull. Yes. Yeah. 100%. With advantage, using investigation, this seems like a great opportunity. Maybe you'll roll really great. I don't want to limit it. But at minimum, I think with all the time you spent with self helping you, you will get exactly that baseline of like, I will know where to go either in this room, mm-hmm. in the library, elsewhere. And this will determine degrees of what you find now that might be actionable tonight and how easy your follow-up research is going to be come later mm-hmm. today, tomorrow, whatever. Perfect. Guidance. <laughs> Are you casting any other spells on yourself? And how I will rule it is as long as you cast it mm-hmm. and it is spent that it still kind of goes cumulatively towards your research time going better, basically. I was going to cast Enhance Ability, uh, Fox's Cunning. It does give me advantage on intelligence checks, though, so I didn't know how that would balance. I'm going to rule it as I don't care. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say it'll give you a bonus. Okay. It's usually, I think, like plus five is what the math is, or plus four or five or something. Screw it. You get that Woo! on top of it. Great. Cool. Because you're spending the resource. Fuck it. <laughs> Suck it, Gary Gygax's ghost. Yeah. <laughs> this is how we get canceled, Nathan. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, or just you, stop playing you, D&D. Uh, we'll find something yeah, else, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Gary I Gygax was not around when 5th edition came out. <laughs> so I'm rolling with advantage. Yes. With a D4 and then adding bonus. Yes. <laughs> cool. Val is a powerful researcher. <laughs> Val actually self has high passive perception, right? Uh, decent I mean, passive decent, perception? Decent passive It's 14, yeah. You would notice that she gets so intensely focused, her eyes change color. And really? And glow slightly. Hmm. Ah. That is... Uh, that is yeah. <laughs> that's not what happens to checkers when you get <laughs> no. focused. So it's just yeah. like... <laughs> also, before you roll... Yes. For magic item purposes, mm-hmm. Selv and Val, you both become users of the Desk of Doing <sighs> as kind of first imprinter types of people. I don't think you have any abilities yet that that affects, no, but no. you have done it. Woo! So, Val's very nice. excited. <laughs> give me that dice roll, Sophie. 
<gasps> okay, 19 on the die. Wow. Guidance is one. My investigation is plus two. And then four? Yes. 26. <laughs> wow. Yeah, nice. Okay. Val is really good at research. <laughs> yeah, right. So. You find nothing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you find plenty. <laughs> In ages past, when monsters were at one of their peaks, knowing that their activity ebbs and flows with the prevalence of magic. There was one creature that often terrified cities and groups of people. This monster was terrifying not because of its abilities or because of its ferociousness or its sadistic nature but because of what it represented. It would attack at night, expressing the deepest fears of its victims, draining them and terrorizing them in a literal sense. And then, after the attacks had continued for some amount of time, and in a pattern that your research does not uncover, the final sighting of this creature would be at the location of a great disaster. A bridge collapse. A building falling. A huge breach in the wall that allowed an invading force to enter. Some would ascribe these events to poor luck, to happenstance, or simply to the dangers of living in a high magic place. But... The researchers of old, and you, especially with the aid of the library and the aid of Selv, are able to piece together that you agree that this creature causes those disasters, or at least are their heralds, and there is an association with its attacks and the disaster. So, just to clarify, the disaster, uh, uh, where it appears with that disaster has not happened yet. It is not the. Correct. It is not a disaster that has happened in the past, and it appears at that location. Correct. Okay. It is. There are attacks, and after these attacks have occurred nightly, much like you are seeing now, is a disaster happens. Reports are muddied as to whether this creature is there physically, but after the disaster, the attacks end. Mm. The final thing. I will have to say the name of this creature is the Mothman. And we will see you next week. You're just going to leave it there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why? So good all... news. We kind of knew the name. Yeah, God, right. Not that far off, but holy fuck, what a terrifying monster. Yeah, right? Yeah. Dear God. <laughs> <laughs>